China is leading the world in facial recognition technology, but what dangers could that lead to? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is our privacy guru and Daily Charge regular, Alfred Ng. Thanks for joining me, Alfred. Thanks for having me. So as the final part of the CNET Generation China series, you looked at how facial recognition is being used in China. What did you find? Well, here's the big difference between facial recognition in China and really the rest of the world is that this thing is everywhere. Like, you know, I saw it being used in um, like amusement parks and bathrooms to make sure that people aren't taking too many toilet paper rolls. Um, but it's also being used in a, in a very oppressive way against the Uyghur Muslim population. It's being used against protesters. You know, it's it's essentially unlike other countries in China, this is a part of daily life the same way that we would look at, you know, traffic lights or or cars even. Like that's essentially what facial recognition is in China. So essentially, it's, it's normalized to the point where it's just something that people there accept as part of society. I wouldn't say that everyone there is accepting it. Obviously, there are privacy advocates and civil rights advocates, you know, trying to argue against it. But, you know, as we've seen from the Chinese government, uh, oftentimes many of these people are silenced uh, through using tools like facial recognition to uh, prevent them from being able to speak out. Right. You know, talked about sort of toilet paper theft. And then there are some sort of uh, there, there are some almost comical sounding uh, examples you gave in your story, you know, things like whether or not you go out in your pajamas. But there's there's actually a reason for this, right? Tell me about a little bit how the fact that these systems are being used to, to actually shame people and, and how that really is part of a broader initiative by China. Yeah, I think that a lot of the trivial uses of facial recognition is often brought up as, you know, look how crazy this is. But I mean, I think there's kind of a sinister undertone to a lot of it, where um, experts that I've spoken with describe it as something called behavioral engineering, where, you know, there was a case um, earlier this year where this woman um, was outside in the street in the public um, wearing like pajamas and they took a photo of her and they used facial recognition to say like, this is her name, like this is where she lives, um, you know, you shouldn't do that in the street or anything like that. That's not a crime, you know. Wearing wearing pajamas in the street is not is not illegal by any means. But you know, they're doing things like this to basically nudge people towards what they consider like acceptable behavior. And because if you can control like the small things, like what you wear, then you can control bigger things about you know I shouldn't go out to a protest or I shouldn't you know speak out against the government in this way. When they're doing small things like this for you know even things like jaywalking, where if you jaywalk in China in certain provinces, they'll capture your face, and if you're logged in a facial recognition database, which a majority of the population is, they will plaster it on the billboard, like on the street and say like this person, this name, uh, jaywalk. And they don't say like what the fine is or anything like that because you get texted that privately. So obviously, you know, the punishment is more about the public shaming than it is about, you know, paying the fine or anything like that. Like imagine if every time you were pulled over on the highway for speeding, like the billboards for the next like three miles or something like that was like, this person was speeding. Like that's kind of what, what it's like. Got it. And, and, uh, you know, you talked about other examples of behavioral engineering. Just to give our listeners a sense of that, like are there any other examples uh, even here in the US where behavioral engineering has been applied uh, either by companies or by the government? Yeah, behavioral engineering is not a concept that's unique to China, but it is unique in the sense that, you know, 
they're using facial rec- recognition and it's more done by the government where in the US, you know, we can look at behavioral engineering as kind of what like advertisements are, right? Where you get a specific ad that says, you know, you should go out and buy um, this type of face mask because you had been looking at like these kinds of articles. Uh, privacy is like a big part of behavioral engineering where you want to make sure that, you know, whatever decision you make is based off of your own merit and, you know, your own choices. Um, but behavioral engineering kind of gets in the way of that, right? And, you know, people have been using social media to, to do something like that for years. You look at the, the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Part of the issue wasn't that, you know, they took all this data. Um, the bigger problem with it was that they took all this data and used that to target advertising to sway people to vote like a certain way. And that's also the concerns with Russian meddling during the 2016 uh, presidential elections where, you know, they use targeted advertisements to to appeal to police officers or appeal to people that specifically spoke Spanish, you know. And there was one event that the, that Russian operatives had created where they made a protest event um, about Muslims in Texas and then they made a counter protest under a different name. And that's behavioral engineering in a way to get people to come out and fight each other in, in a scenario that they normally wouldn't be doing. Um, I think part of the difference here, though, with China is that it's their own government doing this to their own people. And it's not for profit. It's more for control of, you know, their civilization than anything else. Yeah. And I noticed that the sort of a key difference that you sort of point out in your story is that, you know, a lot of facial recognition systems here in the US, a lot of it's done, it's more commercial based, right? They're private companies doing it there in China. There are companies developing it, but really it's, it's the Chinese government that is the one that's sort of using it full force, right? Yeah. So in the US, you know, we see facial recognition and we see it, um, as, as this kind of taboo still where, you know, a lot of people will still say like, you shouldn't use facial recognition unless it's, it's to find missing children or for to catch murderers or drug dealers or something like that. And, you know, that's clearly not the case. Like we've seen examples of facial recognition being used it for like shoplifters, somebody who stole like $12 worth of goods was, was captured on, uh, through facial recognition. Um, but it's still hasn't reached the, the trivial point that China has where, you know, you know, they're using facial recognition to, to capture like jaywalkers or, or, you know, people speeding on the highway or something like that. Um, I think that concept is unique to China. And yeah, you're right in the U.S. where it is, you know, still very commercial. And, you know, the government in the U.S. does use facial recognition, but for, um, like, border patrol, that kind of stuff to make sure that like people are leaving the country when they say they are rather than using it to um, blacklist people from being able to enter certain businesses or to monitor uh, people moving in, in and out of like mosques or churches or anything like that, which is what China has done for uh, Uyghur Muslims in the, um, the Xinjiang region, some of whom are as young as, you know, nine days old in their in their databases. Well, wow. and yeah, just uh, there's been obviously a lot of discussion about the treatment of Uyghur Muslims and the, sort of the persecution they face uh, in, in the Chinese government. I'm just curious if there are other beyond just tracking them. Are there other ways that facial recognition kind of play into uh, the, the treatment of Uyghurs? Um, beyond tracking Uyghur Muslims in China with facial recognition, they're also using facial recognition to track them, you know, outside of China. There, there's been stories about, you know. Phones being hacked um, for uh, Uyghur Muslims at, even after they've left the country and, you know, their photos being obtained in that way. And I assume that the moment that they enter the country again, if they ever did, um, that it would trigger the, the facial recognition and, you know, allow for a lot more surveillance through that method. 
Right. Now, facial recognition, it's one of those technologies where like, you need a lot of experience, you need a lot of data to make it work properly. Um, you know, in, in countries like, like here in the U.S., there's safeguards, uh, and there's some limits, and there are obviously people who, who sort of talk about the dangers of it. In China, it's the development of it's unfettered, and I'm just curious how that, what risks that poses to the rest of the world. There's concerns from U.S. lawmakers about China's dominance in facial recognition, more so on how its influence is affecting the rest of the world, where they are the number one provider of facial recognition um, for other countries. Like it, the second closest is Japan, and like they're not even like that close. And the concern is, you know, if they're using it in this way in China without any kind of restrictions or limitations, that the people that they provide it to will see that and say, oh, yeah, we can use it for that purpose as well. Um, and that, that is obviously a, a big concern that, you know, the leaders in facial recognition are also using it in a way that doesn't really confer with a lot of privacy concerns or civil rights issues. All right. Well, thanks, Alfred, for your time. If you have any questions about facial recognition or China, drop us a line at The Daily Charge on Twitter. You can check out Alfred's story on CNET.com. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.